Fatherhood is fascinating. One day you're dad of the year, and the next day is, well, the next day. Welcome to Positively Dad, a podcast designed to help dads embrace the journey. Thanks for joining us for Positively Dad. My name's James Shaw, and I'm your host, and I'm so excited that you're with us today. You know, uh, I'm, I'm a proud father of a soon-to-be second grader. We have a seven-year-old daughter, my wife Terry and I do. Her name is Naomi. In fact, uh, she joins us on every podcast. She's going to be on at the very end today for the Kids' Corner, and I recommend you stick around for that. It's a lot of fun. And and, and so when, when I found out I was going to be a dad, I just, I don't know, I said I wanted to be a great one. You know, how do you become an awesome dad that your kid looks up to, that learns from, that you're a great partner, that you teach them, that you guide them, that you help them make great decisions? You know, what do we do? So... I go looking for resources, and uh, there aren't any. I mean, well, it's not there aren't any. There just aren't a lot. And, uh, in fact, most of the parenting things, if you look at them, the the blogs, the magazines, the websites, they're geared toward mom. And mom's great. Mom's awesome. We need mom. And, uh, Dad, we've got a place, too. And so this is a place for us to come together as fathers and have conversations we maybe wouldn't have and look at things we maybe wouldn't look at and just be willing to get a different perspective. And that's what I trust that we've done for you in the time that we've done this podcast. Now, you can find all the previous episodes wherever you're listening to your podcast or online at PositivelyDad.com. So I encourage you to check out PositivelyDad.com. And also on there, we're doing different uh, blog posts as well, just different things that are on our mind. So I want to make sure you know about that. So today we're going to look at something that maybe you haven't thought about, And it's something, though, that makes a lot of sense, that when you think about it, you go, well, of course it's like this, except we probably haven't really looked at the ramifications. And we're going to talk about obesity in our kids and and overweight kids and then what their world is like. What happens to them? What happens when they're teased at school? What happens when we as parents say things that we think are helpful and maybe they aren't? And there was some research that came out that said that children who are teased or bullied or or in some way made to feel guilty about their weight are actually more likely to gain more weight. In other words, they won't get healthier. And and so we're going to talk with the author of that study today to learn a little bit about that. Her name is Dr. Natasha Chavez, and she's over at the Uniform Services University in Maryland. And she's going to walk us through the research. It's really interesting. And then she's going to give us tips on what to do as parents if we are the parents of a child who is overweight and we want to help them. Or what can we do to teach our children on how to treat other children who might be overweight. It's a really interesting thing. And, and quite frankly, you, you, this is probably no surprise that, that childhood obesity is, is really a major issue in the U.S. I looked up the data and the Centers for Disease Control estimates that just under 20% of children in the United States are overweight or considered to be obese. And what's even more interesting is for ethnic groups, for non-whites, it's even higher. Hispanics are 26%. And uh, blacks are 22% of children are overweight. And so if you think about it, how we treat and talk to um, and communicate with those kids who are overweight is going to impact them for the rest of their life. At least that's what Dr. Chavez's study says. So I'm, I'm excited to have her on today. And, and again, I trust you'll enjoy this conversation. The goal of this Positively Dad, what we do is we have non-judgmental conversations and we just open our minds to learn. And I appreciate you doing that. So, Dr. Chavez, thank you so much for joining us today on Positively Dad. Of course. It's my pleasure. 
So you you guys did some really interesting research and looked at what happens, you know, for and you studied this over a period of years, right? Almost nine years. What happens to children who are overweight when they're made fun of in school and and bullied about it and teased about it? And there's a long term impact for them. Exactly. So so what we did in the current study is we enrolled 110 children who were either at risk for being overweight or obese or who already had overweight or obesity. And the average age when we enrolled them was, was just under 12. And then we actually followed up with them for up to 15 years. Um, so you were right that the, the average amount of time that we followed up with them was about nine years. But some of them were followed up um, just about 15 years, so into early adulthood. And what we were curious about is whether the experience of weight-based teasing, and that's across domains. So that could have been in schools, as you mentioned. It could also be at home, in healthcare settings, um, by strangers, by teachers, etc. We wanted to see whether the experience of weight-based teasing might confer additional risk for weight and fat gain over the course of their development. So that was essentially the, the primary goal of the study. And what did you find out? So we found that just under half of all respondents reported at least one instance of weight-based teasing or victimization. Um, and so when we kind of looked at that depending on weight status, we found that 21% um, of kids, even without overweight or obesity, reported at least one experience of weight-based teasing. So that's one in five kids, even who didn't have overweight or obesity, were reporting weight-based teasing. Um, and, and importantly, we found that 62% of kids with overweight and obesity reported at least one experience. So this is, this is something that's affecting the majority of children with overweight or obesity. And what we found was that weight-based teasing, as reported by these children at that initial baseline visit, was significantly and pretty robustly associated with both body mass index and fat mass throughout this, this fairly extensive follow-up period. Um, so more specifically, what we found was that youth who were reporting high amounts of weight-based teasing at baseline actually experienced 33% greater gain in BMI per year as compared to kids who didn't report weight-based teasing and almost double the amount of fat mass um, per year, again, as compared to kids who were not reporting weight-based teasing. So what these results told us was that the experience of weight-based victimization and bullying in childhood appears to confer additional risk for weight and fat gain throughout the course of development into early adulthood. That's amazing. Just by people making comments and saying things, and it's such an easy target. I mean, it, uh, I mean, it just culturally, uh, we make fun of overweight people on TV shows. We use them as a as a joke. I mean, it's such an easy target. And yet this has a long-term massive impact for somebody who's probably already aware that they're overweight and is doing everything in their power to not be that way. Right, right, exactly. So you, you raised a couple of really great points that I actually would, would love to speak to further. Um, I think the, the first point that you mentioned is that this form of teasing and stigma is really ubiquitous in our society. So it's both extremely prevalent and also very socially acceptable. So weight-based stigma is often considered one of the more socially acceptable forms of stigma in this country in particular, um, insofar as you can make a comment about somebody's weight and oftentimes people will 
um, will not respond to it or will not sort of call you out on that. So it seems to be very um, socially acceptable. It's also really prevalent within things like mass media. Um, we have a, a multi-billion dollar diet industry that certainly perpetuates those messages that, you know, thin is good and fat is bad. Um, and, and we even see weight-based stigma within children's media. So there were, there were some um, great studies done on um, children's cartoons and movies, finding that most often the, the main characters were thin or lean. And if there was a character that was heavier or had overweight, they were more likely to be the bully or to be the butt of the joke and um, engaging in sort of stereotypical weight um, obesity-related behaviors such as overeating or appearing um, clumsy or uncoordinated. So this is really prevalent, and it's, it's starting at a really young age that children are exposed to these messages. Yeah, I mean, you, I just had this huge aha from what you just said, and it's something that I never thought about before because you're saying it's so it's, it's culturally accepted that mm -hmm. this is an area to poke fun or do whatever. You said that even in children's cartoons, the bad guy, the villain, the whatever is more likely to be overweight. And immediately what popped mm -hmm. in my head is those the Mickey Mouse cartoons with Pete. And 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 I have a, I have a first grade, now second grader in my house. I mean, we've seen these. Mickey Mouse and Minnie are thin. Goofy is thin. Mm -hmm. Pete is not. And he's the bad oh, guy. Interesting. Mm -hmm. and, and you're saying that this is this is quite common. It is, yeah. So it's it's very common in in media, in television, in film, even in our our public health campaigns. So we see a lot of public health or public service campaigns that ostensibly are trying to promote healthy behaviors or trying to reduce the prevalence of childhood obesity. And the messaging is oftentimes very stigmatizing, very shaming. So showing a child with obesity um, in a very unflattering way or with a, a really denigrating. Um, derogatory caption underneath. So um, one one potential reason for this, and, and we talked about this sort of social acceptability, is that weight, unlike other stigmatized attributes, has the perception of being entirely within one's personal control. Um, so whereas race or ethnicity or, or sexual orientation, um, that's largely considered to be immutable or, or unable to be changed. We have this perception that if somebody has overweight or obesity, it is entirely their fault. And um, their failure to lose weight is sort of a reflection of lack of personal responsibility or some sort of personal failing. So that, that marks a really important difference between weight stigma and other forms of bias. Well, what's interesting, though, is that, I mean, isn't there a lot of research that says that that isn't necessarily true, that, that somebody's weight isn't necessarily a choice? Exactly, yes. Yeah. So we, we know from a really robust body of literature that weight is it's very complicated. And I think I like to say if it was straightforward, if it was simply a matter of willpower, we would have figured this out by now. We would have had sort of the magic bullet that could um, reduce overweight or obesity. And, and obviously, that's not the case. So it's it's a very sort of complex, multifactorial condition that's affected by a number um, of, of factors that are outside of one's individual control. So we know that genetics play a really large part in determining somebody's um, either their, their current weight or their predisposition to gaining weight. Um, so estimates are, are typically about 40 to 70 percent of the heritability of um, of weight status is heritable. So it's sort of determined by genetic factors. And then we know that our, our current 
environment is also what we term obesogenic. So it's much more conducive to unhealthy behaviors than it is for healthy behaviors. So we've got really aggressive food marketing um, strategies that are targeting youth and, and in particular targeting individuals of racial and ethnic minorities. We've got sort of this toxic food environment. Um, and there are a number of sort of biological and behavioral factors that might predispose somebody to a, a weight status that is, is largely outside of an individual's personal control. Yeah. And man, there's so many things we could talk about. We could have a four-day podcast on this, quite frankly. I know. I know. Um, so if we go back to, to the study and why this is important, the, mm-hmm. the, the kids who were facing bullying and teasing around their weight were significantly more likely to gain even more. Um, how do we you know, how do we help there? How do we prevent that from happening, you know, and help them be able to to not experience that? Right. So it's, it's a really important question. And um, I, I do want to sort of point out just a, a quick caveat, just as a researcher, it's, it's always important to sort of make clear the difference between correlation and causation. Um, so this was an observational study. We didn't induce, you know, weight-based teasing in a randomized um, control trial, obviously. So we do want to sort of have a, a little bit of caution with interpreting the results, but these are our associations and not necessarily cause and effect. Um, but that being said, it, it was clear that weight-based teasing was really robustly associated with additional weight and fat gain over time. So we think some of the potential mechanisms at play here um, could be either behavioral, psychological, or biological. Um, so some of the more psychological or behavioral factors could be um, we do know that weight-based stigma and victimization are associated with unhealthy coping behaviors. So greater likelihood of binge eating or using food to cope with negative emotions. Uh, weight-based teasing is also associated with avoidance of physical activity, which, which makes sense intuitively. If you're feeling badly about your body, if you're, if you're being shamed or made to feel guilty about the way that you look, you're much less likely to want to participate in PE class or um, to go to a fitness facility. So it could be that there's sort of an avoidance of physical activity. Um, weight-based teasing is also associated and linked with anxiety and depression, and those um, conditions might also place an individual at increased risk for weight gain over time. Um, and then I mentioned there are also some biological mechanisms that could be at play, and um, some of my own research, in addition to, to research of colleagues, have shown that weight-based victimization um, among adults is linked with increased elevation of um, stress hormones within the body. So in particular, um, with the, the stress hormone cortisol, um, insofar as weight-based victimization acts as a chronic physiologic stressor. And elevated circulating cortisol in the body actually places an individual at increased risk for weight gain through a number of different mechanisms. So elevated cortisol actually increases preference for um, highly palatable, which is sort of a, a fancy way of saying, you know, tasty foods that aren't necessarily very healthy for you. So sort of those comfort foods. Um, it also inhibits the body's ability to detect satiety or fullness. So it might make it more difficult to sense when you're full. And cortisol also contributes to excess retention of abdominal fat. So it seems like weight-based teasing might be serving as this chronic psychological and physiologic stressor among youth. Um, so all of those are some potential mechanisms. And um, you had asked about, you know, what we can do about this. And I think that this is a, a complicated 
problem. And I think that the solution needs to be sort of multifactorial. Um, so I think we can, we can talk about different sort of avenues for intervention. One would be at sort of the perpetrator level. So the individuals who are, um, who are perpetrating or perhaps un, unwittingly um, perpetuating these sort of stigmatizing attitudes or beliefs or behaviors. And then we can also address those who are affected by weight yeah. stigma in trying to promote sort of healthier coping behaviors and, and ways of addressing um, these negative experiences. So let's start with that. Let's start because you, you brought up something. The, first, the, the place I thought of was school. This is going to happen at school mm-hmm. and kids are going to make funny in the hallway. Mm-hmm. And then you brought up, hey, actually, you know, parents might even do it at home, right? You, right. you may be making mm-hmm. comments at home, which that, that didn't even cross my mind. I want to break mm-hmm. it. I want can, can we talk about those two? So let's say that Absolutely. I'm the parent of a child and um, and they're going to school and they're being teased and they're being made fun mm-hmm. of about this. And I'm very aware of that and want to help them. What advice would you have? Yeah, so that's I'm, I'm so glad that you asked that. I think especially with your with your audience here, these are our parents who might have a child who is experiencing weight based teasing in school. And I think the first suggestion that I have, which which might sound like the most obvious, is is to make sure that you're asking your child these questions. And I think sometimes parents might not think to ask about these issues, or they might feel like these are sensitive issues and they they're not quite sure how to broach them. Um, so I, I really encourage parents to ask and, and get creative in how you ask about your child's day. And I know that there's sort of the cliche of the child answering in the one word sentence and, you know, just saying fine when, when asked how their day was. But um, I encourage parents to get creative and, and ask not just how was your day, but who did you sit with at lunch? And um, what was one of the high points of your day? What was one of the low points of your day? And I think engaging in that type of more more nuanced conversation, you might be able to elicit more information from your child that way. Um, If your child does report the experience of weight-based teasing, I think it's important to ask them how you can best support them. So it might vary based on the child. It might vary based on um, the nature of the weight-based teasing. So for some children, they might just want their parent to listen, um, not intervene, not necessarily provide words of, of support and, and reassurance right away, but just sort of listen and, and hear about what, what the child is going through. Um, other children, it might be advantageous to do possible role plays at home and sort of have the parent act out the role of the bully and then test different coping responses. And, and this is something that, that kids actually tend to have a lot of fun with because it can get a little bit silly and they can sort of act out different scenarios of how that would go. And, and we actually do know from um, from scientific research that doing these role plays actually makes the child feel more comfortable having those conversations at school in the moment. So um, acting out possible situations. Also asking the child, would you feel comfortable? Can I talk to a trusted teacher? Can I mention this to your guidance counselor? If you don't want me to mention it, then let's come up with a game plan for you to mention it to your teacher. And, and discussing who can serve as a possible ally for your child. And that ally might be a teacher or a guidance counselor and also might be a friend or a peer. Um, so I think, you know, parents, we typically want to sort of come out swinging and, and solve all of our children's problems as soon as we can. And I think that's a wonderful inclination, but I think also respecting the child's wishes and, and really coming at it with sort of a curious mind of how can I best support you through this experience? 
That's a great way to put it is to just be curious. I think when we, when we open our mind and are curious, we're open to learn so many things. And this is a chance for us to grow as parents. Now you referenced earlier that even my parents might do it at home. Maybe you're at home and you, you know, you're frustrated. You you don't understand why your kid won't get off the couch and get in shape or why they eat whatever they eat, whatever, whatever leads to it. I don't want to make any judgments as to why someone may struggle with this. Um, what would your advice be to parents who are working to help their own kids at home and are not inadvertently teasing them or causing some sort right. of, you know, challenge here? Yes. So, so I'm so glad that you asked about that because parents, you know, we, we, we have our children's best interest in mind. And I really want to start with that because I know that a lot of blame gets cast for parents, you know, causing their child's weight issue or, um, promoting obesity among their families or children. So I, I really want to ensure that we're not blaming parents, but also educating parents that comments that might seem innocuous or, or benign might be received very differently. So I've, I've done some previous research looking at um, a concept called pressure to be thin, and that might actually take the form of even complimenting somebody if they look like they've lost weight. And we found that even that pressure to be thin was linked to really poor health outcomes in children. So um, my, my sort of general advice is trying to ask yourself, what is the purpose of that conversation? Is it a genuine health concern about your child? Is it that you might feel like you want to prevent teasing in your child and, and that you're concerned that they might be teased due to their weight? Asking yourself, what is the real purpose for that conversation? And if the purpose is health promotion, then the answer is, is fairly simple addressing health and not weight, size, shape, or appearance. And I think that these constructs get conflated very frequently, that we sort of look to weight and size and shape as metrics of health. And we know that they're really poor um, proxies for health. So if you're concerned about, you know, your child's level of activity, trying to promote physical activity and exercise in a way that completely ignores weight and size and shape would would be the best approach. And um, oftentimes parents will have, you know, potentially one child who has overweight or obesity and one child who does not. And I really want to underscore that it's so important to address these behaviors within the whole family. So not singling out the child with overweight or obesity. But if you want everybody to start to go for walks on the weekends, that needs to go for, for the entire family, not just for the child whose weight you're, you're trying to um, address. So there's been some, some great studies out there showing that um, addressing health and well-being is actually linked with greater body satisfaction in children, but conversely, addressing weight um, or shape or size is linked to greater depression and more unhealthy weight control behaviors among children. So um, I know this sounds like a tall order of, of sort of tiptoeing around these issues, but I think as much as you can leave weight and size and appearance out of the conversation, um, the better your child will fare. And we're going to focus on our health. I mean, you can be really skinny and extremely exactly. unhealthy and you could be bigger and healthy. So it's, exactly. let's, yeah, let's look at health instead of weight. All right. So as we wrap up, what's the final thing you want, you know, parents to know about this? It's a, it's an important issue. And I imagine more kids are facing this now than probably any time before. What do you want them to know? So that's, I think if I had to sort of distill this down, I think parents have 
such an important role in sort of forming their child's relationship with food and with their bodies. And I know that that parents sometimes diminish their own influence in their child's life, especially when their their children reach adolescence. Um, but parents are so critically important in forming healthy relationships with food and with um, body satisfaction. So I think trying to model a healthy relationship with your own food, with your own eating habits, with your own body. And children are little sponges. And if you say, oh, I feel so disgusting. I just ate that huge burger. I need to go for a walk. A child's going to hear that and start to absorb that message. If you comment on what somebody else is wearing when you are at the grocery store and you say that, oh, she shouldn't be wearing those jeans, your child is hearing that. So I think really trying to model um, size inclusivity, body acceptance, body positivity, um, and a, a healthy, intuitive relationship with food. I think that's sort of the best thing that you can do. And the nice thing is that requires very, very little sort of effort on your part. It's just sort of being more aware of your own comments, your own thoughts and feelings about, about your body and, and others' bodies as well. Fascinating. Well, I just, I really, really appreciate you sharing all this very valuable information for our listeners. Thank you so much. Of course. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Three, two, one. What a great interview. And I, I just, I trust that you got some value out of it. Uh, Dr. Chavez gave us some really good points. And the one that stood out to me the most was, um, number one, what are we saying? I, I, certainly, I, I don't know, maybe I'm the only one. I've said stuff like, why are they wearing that? Like, you know, or, you know, don't you know they don't make that in your size? I've said that garbage before. There is absolutely no value in it, none whatsoever. And, you know, if Naomi's there with me, she's there, she's watching. She's paying attention. She, she understands exactly what we're saying. I mean, how many times have your kids walked out of, you know, a place and, and you've, you're in a store and something happened and they go, um, why did you do that? They're paying attention. And I'm teaching her how to treat people. So that was a, a big eye opener for me. Another thing they looked at was that uh, in, in the study they talked to kids who what they would call at risk for overweight, and that would be if they had parents who were overweight. Maybe the kids were not, and they have the parents who did. And if those children were talked to or made fun of in some way, then it was likely that they could gain weight as well or, or become you know unhealthy. And the bottom line is we we'd like to be healthy. We want to be healthy people. And, uh, and so I trust today added some value to you. Hey, we're going to end with what we end every single week with, and that is a chance to hear from Naomi. She's uh, seven years old, and she's going to tell you whatever's on her mind. And today she said she wants to talk about what it means to be nice to people. So here's Naomi with the Kids' Corner. What are the kids thinking? Time to find out in the Kids' Corner with your host, Naomi. Hello, my name is Naomi Shaw, and today we are talking about being kind to people. Here are three ways you can be nice to people. Number one, don't make fun of them. Number two, don't be a bully. Number three, be kind to them and smile and be really nice. When you do this, you'll feel perfect, like you just did a, a good thing, and like you just had a good bowl of ice cream. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Bye. And I love my father. So do you. Bye. I love you too, Naomi. Thank you so much, sweetheart. You know, I just am so thankful that you listen to the Kids Corner and allow Naomi that space to share with you whatever it is that she's thinking. It's really, really cute. And I just, I'm thankful that you listen. Um, and I'm thank you, thankful that you listened today because I think it was an important conversation. 
you know, our words matter. What we say to people, what we say about people, the words we use matter and they impact people. And let's have some awareness around that, about how what we say affects others. And, you know, I, gosh, you may not mean anything by it, except if, if the words are impacting them and, and causing challenges for them, then let's be respectful of those things. I think that's the message today. And that our kids are watching us too. So let's remember that we're always teaching them. Thank you so much for listening to Positively Dad today. Again, I trust you had some value out of it. If you'd rate us wherever you're listening, that would be awesome. Five stars are our favorite. And uh, any sort of review you'd like to leave would be great. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We just went over 800 likes on Facebook, and we're over, almost at 300 on Instagram. And for something that we've just started a few weeks ago, it's blown me away how much people are engaging with us. So thank you for doing that. Share it with others that you care about, and, uh, and we'll see you next time on Positively Dad. Bye-bye.